WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. Always live on the free Odyssey app. From the Sherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Live and local from Philadelphia. Free speech lives here. Here. It's Kale and Company on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. And away we go, live on this Tuesday, October 3rd. It is indeed Kale and Company right here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Always live on the free Odyssey app. And, of course, streaming live for your video viewing pleasure on YouTube. As we head until 10 o'clock this morning, 855-839-1210. The phone number, Twitter and Instagram. The radio station at 1210 WPHT, Don Stensland with the news. Greg Stocker is the chairman of the board. Daniel Valdez, Anthony Terenzo, our associate producers. Yeah, the Phillies play today. Playoffs, second year in a row. But today is also the one-year anniversary, the birthday, the launch, the debut of Kale & Company. Woo. Exceeding expectations by at least... 45 weeks. <laughs> Dawn, Greg, good morning. How are we doing? Good morning. Doing great. Hey, buddy. Happy birthday. So this is what it feels like to turn one again. <laughs> Not potty trained yet. Not but yet. He's coming along. Coming along. <laughs> I don't know if this, I don't know if the show will ever be potty trained. No. <laughs> potty you, mouths. Is that a politically correct show mm-hmm. or a potty trained show? Neither. <laughs> <laughs> what a good show we have for you today. Yeah. We have uh, John Brazier from the Phillies. He will join us in studio at 9.30 this morning to tell us about some of the festivities for Game 1 tonight. Phillies-Marlins shortly after 8 o'clock. And also, this morning at 9 o'clock, the most successful, most accurate, funny, Donald Trump impressionist impersonator on social media, Sean Farage is going to join us. Yeah! You've probably seen him before. He's got all the mannerisms down... The voice yet raising, the the inhale, the exhale. He uh, just did a beautiful rendition of Trump's thoughts on Jamal Bowman pulling a fire alarm. So we'll have some fun with him coming up at 9 o'clock this morning. A lot of good stuff, including Donald Trump yesterday in New York City in the Big Apple. That'll be the theme of the big take. And we've got all sorts of other good stuff as well. But let's get the news going around number one here on a Tuesday morning at 6.04. The great Don Stensland. And good morning on this Tuesday morning, October 3rd. I'll tell you how much we will warm up today, another summer-like day. In the news, uh, really a reaction across the city, as we now know the victim of that murder in Philadelphia has been identified as a local journalist, community activist who formerly worked in City Hall. He's identified as 39-year-old Josh Kruger, just an outpouring from city officials, community members, uh, shocked by this. Kruger was shot seven times inside his own home. This happened early yesterday morning, 2300 block of Watkins Street in the Point Breeze section uh, yesterday, and then was rushed to Penn Prez Hospital uh, uh, and died about 45 minutes later. No word on a motive for the shooting. No arrest. We are expecting some updates. We were told, I was told yesterday, there were no signs of forced entry into his home. And the home does have cameras, but it's unclear if they captured any images, surveillance type images 
of that shooter. So friends say that he and neighbors had said that he had recently posted online about some threats, including an incident where he had filed a police report after his home was vandalized. And that happened in late August. So police following up on that one. Mayor Jim Kenney releasing a statement as well as many in City Hall. He ran the social media campaigns, if, if you remember, for about five years in City Hall. So somebody who was just a bright light, well-known in the community, a real tragedy here, and a lot of questions because he was shot that many times at close range. It looks like, according to police, he was confronted on his stairwell. So he heard something, perhaps, was walking down the stairs. So we that that's the information, the latest. This We learned the confirmation actually mid-morning yesterday. So learning more this morning, but quite disturbing. So you have this in Philadelphia. We have a far-left activist that was stabbed to death by a stranger in Brooklyn, and a Democratic congressman was carjacked at gunpoint in D.C. by four men. But the crime wave is not real in big blue cities. Maybe they'll pay attention to it and address it once it happens to people that are on one side of the political aisle where it's undeniable. Yeah, and we, so for the Texas congressman who you referred to, I don't know that, the, you know, that was just another carjacking in D.C. Henry Quayer. So that, yeah, to this situation, I don't know if this was personal. We don't know. And that's the question this morning. You know, it's kind of, and I hate to compare different political issues, but you take this and then you take the migrant crisis and it's like, you know, the Democrats, well, there's no border crisis. And then say, well, wait, they're showing up in busloads in my city and uh, we're full. And then they're on my porch. Like, oh my God, what do I do? Like, I feel like the left doesn't realize it until it just hits them right over the forehead. Yeah. But that's just me. There's another pretty shocking video that has gone viral from Philadelphia happened near city hall shows a a biker, a dirt bike rider, smashing the windshield of a vehicle with children inside. Disturbing story. The mom who was inside has been doing some interviews. Nikki Bullock is her name. And she says the guy first sideswiped her car right near City Hall. So police investigating after they do have the video showing that street bike rider smashing her windshield while her two kids were in the back seat. So this actually happened Sunday night. They've now released the video Mm -hmm. as they continue to investigate, and she's been speaking out about it. And there were some who shared the video on Instagram, another motorist, and then from one of those tourism buses. Right. They have that uh, video. But mom gets out just as a matter of instinct. Oh, yeah. And uh, the guy headbutts her. Uh, you know, is is violent. Um, has, he, pull- has a gun. Yeah, I was gonna say, did he pull a gun? It's not. It's unclear in that in that video if he pulled a gun. She or not. says he had a gun. No, okay. no, it definitely. He definitely. I'm looking okay. at the Shoved video it in now. Her face, threatened her. I'm not yeah. sure. I gave it. I think Daniel might have it if we can put it up on YouTube. But this guy. I mean, these bike crowds. This guy jumps on the back of her windshield with both feet. Both feet. Yeah. Like he's intentionally just trying to cave in the car. Little kids are in the back seat, and the mom gets out. And from what I can tell. It looks like the mom, the driver, the victim of the family, is an African-American female, and it's a white guy with a bike helmet on. I thought that might have been Valdez at first. Uh, no. And she gets right out in his face, and good for her, yeah. and he's pointing a gun dead in her face, and she's acting like it's a water pistol. She don't care at all. Well, This guy needs to go away. Well, because she said all she cared about was her, her five-year-old and her two-year-old. As she should. And she said she was praying the whole time, said her guardian angel was with them, 
And all she cared about was, she said, there's not a scratch on my kids. That's all she cared about. This guy, you know, did assault her. I mean, you imagine if that windshield caves in and cuts those kids or, God forbid, kills them or severs an artery. I mean, that that guy should fry for that. What led up to, to him jumping on the back of her car? Or was it just, you know... Looks like another group of these. It was a Monday night. It was yeah, something fun to do or little, Sunday. These night, little crotch rocket groups. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to wipe them all out with my Ridgeline. Just <laughs> bowl through them like, like I have a Gatling gun. Crazy. Well, then you'd get charged. I know. You know, but I will say, DA Larry Krasner called out the behavior. He was asked about it. He said this is completely outrageous. Oh. They're reviewing the surveillance video, and it has gone viral. And they say they will find this person. Turn yourself in because they will. Hunt, they're nothing. hunting you down. Oh. <laughs> yeah. no, I don't know. Well, the panic sets in as they know Larry Krasner's on the case. Yeah. We will uh, find you and then do nothing. Yes. Oh. Uh, Hunter Biden is due back in a Delaware courtroom today where he's expected to plead not guilty to those federal firearms charges that emerged. We've talked a lot about it after his earlier deal had collapsed. His lawyers still say he has an immunity deal and he could face 25 years if convicted on all of this, yep. but uh, Hunter Biden back in a Wilmington, Delaware courtroom today. Now, is that natural immunity that he has, or is that provided extra layer of protection <laughs> from the booster? Well, that's is there a, a yeah is there a, a vaccine for yeah. guns and crack? Yeah, it's called uh, being a Democrat by Pfizer. It's a sin. <laughs> uh, and I know we're going to talk a lot about the fills. Can't wait for John Brasher to be here. But woo, we're here. Fry the fish. So they're saying that if, even if you don't have tickets for our Phillies, um, as we begin our playoff series game one this evening, 808, get, be in your seat by what, 730? Yeah. A lot of important news. But also there, there are, there, I guess right now they're power washing everything <laughs> uh, down the stadium because I was looking online and there were all these people talking about it. You can go there early. There's a lot of fun to be had. There are rallies. So even for those who don't aren't lucky enough to have the tickets, yeah. there's so much to do. Can Our we? own uh, Dan Borowski and Anthony Dorenzo will be down there uh, before the game starts uh, doing call-ins to Zioli and, uh, yeah. Wow, very cool. Yeah. All right, yeah. so Dorenzo about 5.52 tomorrow morning will look like death when he walks in. <laughs> All right, that's Great. good. Great. So NBC10 first alert forecast, the all-important forecast, right, with these, these playoffs, the fills, so if we look at it right now, 61, partly cloudy. We have some fog advisories going on, but we are in for a real treat, a second summer, as they're calling it today. 83 beautiful degrees, barely a cloud in the sky. Tomorrow, much of the same, 84 bright, sunny skies. For your Thursday, 79 degrees, partly sunny skies. And then, unfortunately, as we near the weekend, Friday, Saturday, looks like we will be in for some clouds, some rain. I don't see any washouts, more rain Saturday with cooling temperatures. But then we pop back up to the sunshine next Sunday, the 8th. However, sunny, return to fall, 60 degrees. So a 20-degree difference between this week and starting into next week. Enjoy this chance at second summer. Happy anniversary, Nick Kale, Kale & Company News Live. All right, Don, thank you very much. Happy anniversary to all of us. 613, it is a Tuesday morning. Let's get to another big take. The big take on Kale and Company. All right, the big take this morning, TDS in NYC. If you wanted to know what it would be like for Donald J. Trump in a courtroom before cameras or televised live on TV, you got a small glimpse of that yesterday in the Big Apple. Donald Trump was in New York City for a civil proceeding. 
and it was a small-scaled circus, as you might expect. It had everything. The judge playing to the camera like he was Lance Ito in the trial of the century. Prosecutors hell-bent on their Marsha Clark moment of fame. And the justice system didn't disappoint from an entertainment standpoint. Trump derangement syndrome was on full display for America. And what we saw at a minuscule level based on a civil case that actually centers around $250 million wasn't just a preview of what's to come in cases where Trump has been indicted over classified documents or January 6th, but it was a spoiler for what's to come in Fulton County, Georgia, where his case will be carried on live television. Yesterday, as the court was getting set to begin, Fox News was interviewing their legal insider, Jonathan Turley, while having the cameras on the courtroom and while showing live video of the courtroom. And as you'll hear on the radio or the app and see on YouTube in just a moment, the judge can't help but gobble up his few seconds of camera time Fame. Take a listen and watch this on YouTube. It's now being shown in the background. You've got Trump in the foreground. And it fulfills the narrative on both sides. For those not watching, the judge in that small video clip is alerted to the camera. He takes his glasses off. He smiles and appears to soak up the limelight and begins blushing. Well, that's encouraging to see if you're the Trump legal team, a Trump supporter or fan or anybody else really just seeking a judge who is only concerned with the rule of law. But let's take a moment to think about this case, one that might not resonate with most Americans pro or anti-Trump because it's not a case that carries the salacious appeal of things such as January 6th. But Trump is facing a civil trial in New York for fraud, except he's not being sued by an individual. He's not being sued by a bank. He's not being sued by an insurance company or other financial institution. Trump is being sued because he basically overvalued his properties. And now we have a judge who has the ability to find him a couple hundred million dollars, go after the Trump organization as a whole, seize control of his properties and real estate. And personally, I don't care about Donald Trump's money, what he makes, what he loses, and certainly what his tax records look like, which I still find laughable to this day how so many Democrats led by Hillary Clinton were obsessed with his income tax returns for seven years. As long as he's not in a current pay-for-play scheme, like a current serving politician Joe Biden appears and allegedly could have been in, I couldn't care less about Donald Trump and financial matters. Yet here we are, and Trump is once again being hacked at. And the pattern is quite clear. These prosecutions are selective prosecutions. As Jonathan Turley has said, they're based on novel legal theories that have hardly ever been tested. That's not a partisan breakdown of what's happening that's jonathan turley who doesn't have a dog in the fight so to speak and these novel legal theories theories forget about being tested much less succeeded upon or really overcharging the man in hopes of setting new precedent but it's not even the precedent in a court of law that's being established it's the system laying out a strong message if you're an outsider with hopes and aspirations of jumping into the political fray You better not rattle the cages or we will come after you just like we did Trump. That's the precedent and that's the scare tactic. But just how far will the establishment go? How hell-bent are the Washington elites and the justice system on getting Trump? Tucker Carlson was recently speaking at a function and an engagement and had this to say about the Trump versus Washington elite. Take a listen and watch. So they've done everything they can by legal means, which are, in fact, extra-legal means, if we're being totally honest, completely third-world stuff, 
to take the opponent out of the race, and they're still losing. So, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. This is not going to be a race between Joe Biden and Donald Trump. I would bet my beloved fishing camp in Maine that that is not going to happen. That's not going to happen. So what will happen? Well, I don't know. One of like 400 distinct other possibilities? I mean, I just can't even, you know, pick one. By the way, if it's Gavin Newsom, we all should be very, very concerned. That guy's scary, and I mean it. I mean it, scary. Yeah, but that's a whole separate conversation. But the point is, this, is, this will be forced. These issues will be forced soon, like in a year. And the road from here to November of 2024 is going to be filled with developments nobody in this room could foresee. I can promise you that. So it's about to get very serious, uh, for sure. It's, you know, it's only leadership of the world at stake, which is also, by the way, we now know the most lucrative possible political franchise in human history. So everything's at stake. What wouldn't they do? What haven't they done? What might they do next? Let your imagination run wild. So the question, the only one that you can answer is, how will you prepare yourself for that? And because that really is the only question. And, and I mean, I just my my answers to that in my own life, I'll just tell you what I think. One, be a little bit more serious. You know, like take this seriously. Much as you want to retreat and pretend everything is fine. Sit down. It's not fine. OK, we are really living in unprecedented times. Homes up 46 percent since 2020. A financial world completely different from 2008. Your privacy and complete security, completely different, a totally new concept since September 11th, 2001, 22 years in the making. And maybe, just maybe on the political front, with presidents, things will never be like this again. Maybe it's just an outlier because it's Donald Trump, but what if it's not? Then what? Tucker's right. This is very important stuff, because if they can do it to Trump at any level, criminally or civilly, they can do it to basically anybody, because the rest of us don't have the ability to fight like Trump does. So yes, in 2024, there's a lot at stake, not just for Trump or for the GOP, but for you and me. And that's The Big Take. The Big Take on Kale & Company. All right, Big Take this morning. If you have thoughts and reaction to Donald Trump yesterday in civil court, you can certainly jump in. 855-839-1210, the phone number. 855-839-1210, at 1210WPHT on social media. And, of course, get us on YouTube. Just go to YouTube.com slash at 1210WPHT. Hit the like and subscribe buttons to be a part of the Kale & Company comment community. We'll get thoughts and reaction to what transpired yesterday in New York. Trump due back today for day two of his trial. And also, an interesting request made by Trump, and then he complains about it. Was it a tactical error? We'll get to that as we continue. Kale and Company, first hour off and running here on a Tuesday. We're back after this on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. This is the Kale and Company podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHD and on the free Odyssey app. Tuesday morning, hopefully all of you up to a great start. Going to be another beautiful day here in the Delaware Valley. Nick Dawn and Greg, Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, 855-839-1210 if you'd like to jump in. Of course, you can always listen to us and stream us on the free Odyssey app and watch us on YouTube. Until, you know, we play something from 60 Minutes and Scott Pelly tells the bots <laughs> to shut us down. And we get flagged. Yeah. Well, we were back up yesterday. So uh, if you missed any of that show yesterday, I believe there's actually two different little chunks of video. Two-parter. It's two-parter. a two-parter. Yeah. 
Yesterday's show on YouTube, youtube.com slash that1210WPHT, was a two-parter. That's correct. Yeah. All right, so we got a lot of good things to get into today, and it will be day number two for Trump in New York City. And I want to get some thoughts and reaction to kind of the way that played out yesterday from a media coverage standpoint, uh, which is also interesting because, you know, I told you last week in one of the big takes how when the Biden impeachment inquiry hearing was going on, Fox News was carrying it live, but it was a media blackout pretty much across the board in live real time. CNN, MSNBC, they didn't cover it live, although they gave recaps and commentary on it. Uh, the three major networks, CBS, ABC, and NBC, also uh, did not cut into whatever's on during those times. Kelly Clarkson's show, Days of Our Lives, I don't even know what they carry. Um, but yesterday, boy, they were, they were all front and center covering it yesterday like it was uh, the O.J. Simpson trial. <laughs> and, you know, is it, a, is it a major, major thing when a judge acknowledges a camera for... 10, 15 seconds, whatever it might be. I think it is. Um, I think it's just, it's. is it indicative of a corrupt system against Trump? I mean, specifically in this case, I don't know. Uh, but it's it only feeds into what we all believe, or most of us believe, that to some extent there is other motives here. There's an axe to grind, so to speak. And you have a judge who, let's be honest, and I have no idea about Judge Arthur Engeron, or as Dawn said, uh, Judge Arthur Engamoron yesterday <laughs> in one of her news updates. I don't know what other high-profile well, cases. It rhymes with moron. It does. And I'm looking at the name, and I'm thinking, that's a good play on words by you. You just insert that M in there, and you get moron. I don't know what other high-profile cases he's presided over, but i got to imagine this is probably the, the biggest case he's ever sat in front of, just based on the fact that, Donald J. Trump is sitting right across at a table, and then you take the glasses off like it's a photo op, like it's picture day at school. That was I, that was egregious. It Honestly, really was. I saw that and I was just like, "You must." I at first thought it was a joke. I saw the like the the video going around on Twitter or something, and I thought that it was like a somebody superimposed it. Right when. And then I saw the actual news footage of it. I was like, oh, no, that wasn't a joke. This so, really <laughs> happened. So this is a legit complaint and a beef because I thought possibly Stalker's reaction would be today. Oh, seven seconds. Let's not overreact to it. But you're saying it's egregious. And, it, and Dawn, it it's, it's really it's And this is the precursor. This is the buildup to the other cases that we kind of care about as a nation more than Trump's civil business dealings. And yesterday that judge was all lancy up. He was ready for his moment in the sun, baby. But that could work both ways for the Trumps. And I I noticed the talking point because I, I saw that uh, Eric Trump was on with Hannity last night and said virtually the same thing that, you know, the talking point is at the end, they were the, the Trump family is clearly encouraged by what the judge said in the end. OK. And and so I think that they they're just looking for an opportunity that he's that he will open his ears i really think because i think they thought oh we're we're hosed mm-hmm. here we're we're not going to get a fair shake yep and i actually think that you know like you, you know we tease around so you're saying there's a chance from the movie clip yep i actually think that they saw a glimpse of hey maybe because it's him mm-hmm. it's not a jury right which is also which an interesting good. yeah and the trump team uh, apparently did not request a jury. When you fill out the paperwork, you can either have you know a trial amongst your peers, so to speak. I believe the number will be 12, uh, at least in a criminal trial. The case is usually uh, with 12 jurors. But you have a judge-only trial, which they call a bench trial. So 
I thought maybe, especially considering Trump has said that uh, George Arthur Engeron um, is uh, involved in a politically motivated witch hunt. Um, he says that he's a rogue judge. This trial is a scam and a sham. And then he also claims that he was not allowed to have a jury, uh, which is not true because his lawyers selected that. So either he doesn't realize that or maybe the lawyers made a mistake. I highly doubt that seems like a big mistake to make when you're filling out paperwork and how you want the trial to be uh, held. But you now have one man. And I thought initially that maybe that's a tactical error because you're laying all of your wealth, the Trump organization and everything with it, your properties in the, the hands, essentially, of one man. He's judge, jury, and executioner to some extent. Whereas with a trial, with with a jury, yeah, there's more people, but you only need, you need one, right? Like, you just got to find that one that doesn't believe the evidence reaches the certain threshold required, which in a civil case is the preponderance of an evidence, which is slightly better than 50-50 that you're guilty. So, I don't know. I mean, his lawyers certainly know more than I do, but I'm not sure that I would have rolled the dice on just the judge. And then I'm really thinking you shouldn't have when I see this guy smiling, take his, takes his glasses off and smiles again. Yeah, can we roll back uh, that uh, clip, Daniel, of the judge uh, smiling like it's a sitcom? Uh, it, <laughs> li- it literally was like, look. I know. This is like a, it's like Night Court. Yeah. yeah. You know, starring Harry, whatever his name is. And his clerk looks, his clerk next like, to him, the female almost is like. He's like rolling hey, her eyes. Hey. Can you, can you <laughs> imagine though, if you're on, if you're on trial. And like, you know, you're fighting for your <laughs> life on trial and this judge is hamming it up for the camera. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine I know. how you're feeling? Uh-huh. Like, Especially with everything it's horrendous. Else going. It is. It really this case is fascinating to me personally and, and the part I don't understand about it is that if you go to a bank for a loan and and you say, "Hey, my you know, Greg Soccer says, my beautiful home in the suburbs, and we've had some things fixed up, and we have, you know, a cabana boy by the pool, whatever, <laughs> you know. But if you value your home at yep. whatever because you're trying to get another loan to start a small business or whatever, yep. it's really up to the – it's it's almost in the eye of the beholder. In other words, yep. the bank ultimately the, – the the bankers are not idiots. They, they know what you've got, and they have to look at the total sum of – you and basically whether they're going to loan you the money or not it has nothing to do with if you claim um well my thing is bigger than i said it was uh which a ton of real that happens in real estate all the time also happens in personal lives too (laughs) size does not matter i've been told (laughs) but that that really the uh, to me the square footage or whatever that's not what they're not looking at your square footage mm-hmm. they're looking at whether or not they're going to make money get their money get their you know yeah. whether this is whether you or are risk. a good investment correct your assets versus debts your credit rating you know your current income you know, all your other assets that can be seized if you fail to you know pay back i mean especially nowadays i mean banks are tighter than ever they're just not in the business now of taking a a, a shot and rolling the dice on somebody like they might have in 2005 6 and 7 leading up to our, our financial crisis and you know you, you, it's not just us it's legitimately you have people on trump's defense team you have judicial watch people that watch this stuff with no slant. And here's a couple of quotes from what happened yesterday. Quote, I've never seen anything more appropriate in my life, said uh, Jesse Banal, an attorney for Trump, but not in the New York fraud case. He was doing a TV appearance on Newsmax. 
uh, quote, a show trial, literally, said Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton, quote, we have a serious crisis in our judicial system. So many demons, said political commentator Julie Kelly, and quote, the judge in Trump's case smiles for his close up. What an absolute clown show. That was from the Citizen Free Press website on social media. So it seems almost unanimously across the board, except for those with Trump derangement syndrome or, you know, the Kathy Griffins or Droid Behars of the world that were probably eating popcorn and giggling, that most people can arrive at the logical conclusion that that judge is completely out of line to show that sort of kind of self-importance. Like, hey, look at me. Oh, the camera's on me. Yes, I'm Judge Arthur Engeron, and I'm it's, here to preside over the Trump case. The Georgia one's going to be worse, though. Oh, that's be- what I'm saying. Because that's going to go on. <clears throat> that's going to go on for a long time, and that's going to be that's going to be center attention. Whoever the judge is for that, I'm, I'm sure they named it, but I don't remember. Um, they're gonna they're gonna have the cameras, the spotlight on. We're gonna get Lance Ito times seventeen. Yeah, because if you remember the Lance Ito thing during OJ, it was you know all this stuff, court TV and everything like that was kind of new. Mm-hmm. So. Lance Ito kind of didn't start off like, oh, I have all these cameras on me. It's it's as the trial went on and on and on, and he was just like, oh, I'm a star. I can do this. You know uh-huh. what I mean? Uh, th- this judge is going to come out of the box on day one knowing that everybody, all the eyes of the world mm-hmm. are going to be on them, and, and, and they're going to play up the camera like yep. nobody's business. And if you recall, when that was going on and SNL was in its, you know, one of their glory eras and glory stretches of great content, Mike Myers played Judge, Judge Lance Ito on Saturday Night Live. And there was every single week there was bits and parodies and spoofs of the OJ case. I got to believe, and SNL loves to always do that stuff with Trump, that they're going to be doing that again. And you are, you're, you're going to see kind of the only thing that makes it less salacious then the trial of the century with OJ was the fact that that was a murder case. And people are just infatuated with crimes and murder cases. This Georgia case, obviously, is about you know votes and what Trump said or what he was looking for. And how many votes do I need? Do I, well, how do we not find him? Can we get 11,000 votes or whatever the number was? But anything that Trump really does is you know magnetized and must see. And then on top of it, it's under the, you know, the backdrop of the 2020 election, which a lot of people love to talk about mm-hmm. still three and a half years later to this day so that's kind of where we're at with uh that yesterday and we'll see what happens today i don't know maybe letitia james gets her moment uh you know what was the so yesterday because we have the clip actually i might as well play it right now since we're talking about it okay i can play it again later um i'm gonna start at uh with cut four here daniel trump after he was leaving uh the court yesterday uh, seemed to be kind of, uh, you know, happy about uh, the judge and, and where they saw the case going. I'm just going to play a little bit of this, Daniel. This is cut four. Well, I think that was very good. That last five minutes was outstanding because the judge essentially conceded that the statute of limitations that uh, we won at the Court of Appeals is in effect. Therefore, about 80% of the case is over. I was going to come out and say that, as you know, we're not entitled to a jury, which is pretty unusual in the United States of America. So uh, I think it's very unfair that I don't have a jury. But uh, the judge's last statement was very fair. And if I read it right, I'll let perhaps one of the lawyers speak to it. But Cliff, maybe you'll speak to it if you would. 
But uh, the way I interpret that and the way everyone else in the room seems to interpret that is that the statute of limitations uh, is a very real thing in this country. And that would be about 80 percent of this case would be over. Could somebody speak to that, please? Based on the judge's comments at the end of the hearing, at the end of the trial today, it would appear that he is agreeing that all of the transactions that closed prior to 2014 are now out of the case. Which is about 80% of the case. And it's also uh, something that we want on appeal, but was not accepted by this court, but now seems to be accepted by this court. Uh, as far as the jury is concerned, uh, it's much different now, I must tell you, than it was 20 minutes ago. But we were going to come out and complain that, you know, in this country, you're entitled to a jury. But we very much appreciate the judge's decision today, or his statement today, on the statute of limitations, which is a very big thing. It's a limited time period. And we did nothing wrong. And if you look at the statements, they showed that even in 2011, I guess the number was $258 million in cash. Uh, very strong company. I don't believe we really, maybe I wouldn't do a couple of deals or something, but I wouldn't have even needed to go to banks. So very interesting. Basically, they're saying four out of every five uh, situations or cases or little pieces of information in this case would essentially be tossed out 80%. And statute of limitations, basically, when there's a crime that occurs or you know the clock essentially starts running, and you have a time frame and a window as the, the prosecutor or the plaintiff in this case to you know initiate you know the legal proceedings. So that's interesting. Again, I still don't understand the, the judge-jury thing. Like They're making it sound like he was denied a jury when everything is said that they've just check the box that basically said no they would not like a jury they would rather go to a bench trial but that's neither here nor there so he does seem pretty positive about all of it um and then you heard one of his attorneys as well so you've got day two coming up and i'm sure uh we will get plenty of uh thoughts and reaction tomorrow on that it'll be it'll be interesting i think that that capitalism is on trial here yeah and i think that you know you're going back to 2014 if I'm in New York City and I'm a major mogul, I'm a little nervous about the precedence that this case could set. Mm-hmm. As far as doing business in that city? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're trying to shut down all the Trump enterprises. Mm-hmm. And so even though they're, you know, Letitia James, who ran on this. I know. And that's never a good sign. No. But, you know, even though she's going after this, I just wonder about the, the reaction and maybe the judge is feeling the pressure, you know, Think of New York City mm-hmm. is trying to make a full comeback. Yep. But to think about business and banking mm-hmm. in New York City and then think about what's happening here, you're looking at this saying, whoa, yeah. this, if this, if anything goes through here, all of those businesses are going to look at that and think about the fact that they've already had, you've, t- you did a big take on this about the exodus mm-hmm. out of California and New York yep. like a while ago. But I, I just wonder the impact, the chilling impact on this, Nick. And yeah. so I think they have to look at that and think about it. I know that it's almost like cutting off their nose to, you know what I mean, despite, despite their, their face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you say uh, Letitia James ran on this. That's the chilling aspect of this. This is now two prosecutors, so to speak. Uh, the Attorney General Letitia James and Alvin Bragg in Manhattan in the lower district court, both running their election campaigns on oh, I will get Trump. We will get Donald Trump. So that's two of them. And then, of course, you have Fannie Willis down in Georgia 
So forget about you know uh, Jack Smith or Merrick Garland for a moment. Just look at the local level prosecutors or the state AGs that were making campaigns centered around bringing down Trump. And you know when you're a politician and you're running and you say I'm going to do this, you know you want to come through and deliver because that's how people are like oh I'll vote for this person again. They they literally in their their messaging were basically saying. I'll be the guy that gets Trump. I'll be the lady that gets Trump. So so when we hear political persecution and prosecution, like how many people have ever ran for office, um, you know, in this country on the notion of I'm going to get a sitting president? That's kind of Trump derangement syndrome to me. But <laughs> then again, everything's a first when it comes to anything with, with Trump. So 855-839-1210. And then lastly, on the Trump front, I saw this story from the New York Post yesterday. This is remarkable. Um, and you take this for what it's worth because he's, I believe, selling a book. And the author uh, was on 60 Minutes on Sunday. But our favorite uh, crypto creep, Sam Bankman-Fried, SBF, uh, who, as we know, was the second biggest donor behind George Soros to the Democratic Party in the 2022 midterms. We know he was running FTX and he's been locked up and he's been crying that he doesn't get his vegan meal in prison and he's lost weight and he's depressed. and That sucks to be you. Uh, but he claims that he wanted in an interview on 60 Minutes on Sunday, he wanted to pay Donald Trump five billion dollars in exchange for not running for president again. That is according to the biographer of the book, Michael Lewis. Uh, Unclear, according to the New York Post, if the 31-year-old crypto kingpin uh, ever actually offered up the bribe. However, Lewis said he also wasn't sure if Bankman-Fried actually corresponded with Trump himself or his team, but the book is called The Big Short. And it's a, um, you know, an autobiography about SBF, Sam Bankman-Fried. It's called Going Infinite, The Rise and Fall of a New Tycoon. And it comes out today. So, of course, they're on 60 Minutes. You know, you're trying to sell the book and everything else like that. Um, but Lewis went on to say that they were still having these conversations when FTX blew up. Though Bankman-Fried ultimately didn't follow through with the 10-figure offer because federal prosecutors dropped a multi-count indictment on the fraudster one month after FTX collapsed in November of 2022. In the end, the best-selling author told 60 Minutes interviewer John Wertheim, uh, Wertheim, a transaction was never completed because Bankman-Fried, quote, didn't have $5 billion anymore. So very interesting when we talk about Trump derangement syndrome. And first of all, by the way, this I'm not even sure that if this is legal, that you can offer somebody an exorbitant amount of money not to run for political office. I, I feel like there might be some legalities <laughs> there. But think about this. And I understand that dude was super wealthy. He's a scumbag and we get it and we understand how he made his money. But imagine offering somebody five billion dollars to just leave the space of politics. That's I mean, that that's the levels to which the other side is willing to go, contemplates, considers, or actually follows through with to get Trump out of the equation. $5 billion, which, by the way, if I'm Trump and I know I'm worth a lot of money, $5 billion <laughs> is a lot to turn down. You know, in the event, in the hypothetical, if, he, if that offer ever was made, it's like, well, I'd have to consider that. Yeah, a lot of money at 77 and deal with this nonsense for another four years, $5 billion, play golf. I don't know. I think I would consider it, but. What a, what a, you know, bluff it. What a bluff, though. He didn't even have the money. Well, I know. And but then think about it. He's giving all this money. I forget how much he donated. I want to say it was, it was 
$222 million. It was an exorbitant amount to the Democratic Party and Joe Biden and everything else. And then on top of it, you're going to give a, an even bigger figure to get his chief rival out of the equation. That's the level you talk about how, how diabolical and obsessed Democrats are and what they'll do to win. That's like a, that's like a that's like a double whammy against your competition. So, uh, very interesting. Yeah. I don't. I, I, it's I, again, fascinating book it, book deal, TV interview. You know what? Part of me. I don't know if you guys have ever watched that Anna uh, Anna Delvey series. I did I, not. I was obsessed with that. I've and now she she was the con woman basically. But what you learn about, especially New York, the social scene and uh, SBF and all these individuals. I mean that. There is a part of this where these people are able to bluff their way through mm-hmm. and they have to have this this huge ego or this ability to convince people mm-hmm. that you can invest in them. Yep. And it in that you know it, and some people have got the goods. Yep. Others can just bluff their way through it. Yep. 855-839-1210 it really is. <laughs> Coming up next we'll wrap up the hour with Trump but on the local level here in Pennsylvania as Josh Shapiro's voter registration change has drawn the ire and attention of Donald Trump. We wrap up the six o'clock hour next on Kale and Company. It's Kale and Company on demand from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the free Odyssey app. What a great time of year this fall. Start on a high note. You still have time to find yourself that new certified or pre-owned vehicle from our friends at the Piazza Auto Group. And, yeah, we had such a great experience right here locally at Piazza, Honda, Philadelphia, uh, Ross and Kristen, Tony and Vince. Thank you so much. As we experienced, you know, our son, our teen son, Michael, his first vehicle, a Honda Civic. You've heard Nick Hale talk about his Honda Ridgeline I mean, these are just the easiest people to do business with. When have you said that? When have you gone and gotten a car and said, oh, what a great experience? Like, never <laughs> until now. So seriously, they're just great people across our region, tri-state region, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Delaware. And by the way, not just, you know, we talk about our Hondas, not those brands, or Acura, Mazda, Hyundai, Volkswagen. But here's the thing. There's power in the Piazza Auto Group because they carry more than 1,200 pre-owned vehicles at any given time. That's what we're talking about. Selection. Visit PiazzaAutoGroup.com, P-I-A-Z-Z-A, AutoGroup.com. You search Piazza's pre-owned inventory or for that dealership nearest you. The one-year birthday, the one-year anniversary of the show as we launched this uh, October 3rd, 2022, last year. So, yes, we are... Now turning one years old, one year old. Either way, I'm not in my birthday suit. <laughs> so those of you on YouTube, surprise, surprise, I'm fully dressed. 855-839-1210, the phone number. Cut sheet's going to be a good one today, 745. The great Trump impressionist, Sean Farage at 9 o'clock. John Brazier of the Phillies at 930 in studio. As the Phillies and Marlins begin the playoffs tonight, Red October uh, gets underway. As you know, it's kind of interesting. The Phillies too—they lost seven out of thirteen times to the Marlins. Yet Vegas says you're a two-to-one favorite. I don't know what that says, but they lost how many times? Seven out of yeah, what? Yeah, the Marlins First went team. seven and six against the Phillies in the regular mm-hmm. season. Pain in the butts. We got it. Yeah, I, I agree too. I agree, but they are always a pesky bunch. Ain't nobody stopping the <laughs> the number of uh, Philly fans and like you can't like that stadium tonight oh, is great. going to be lit. Yes, it is. It's going to be lit. 
Nobody's coming to work tomorrow. No. <laughs> so we'll be here. We can start at 9 a.m. <laughs> oh, no, I thought we... Um... We start at 6 a.m. <laughs> All right, Kaylin, company's on a three-hour delay tomorrow, <laughs> no, folks. No, that's not true. It's like a school delay. We'll be here like like uh, like clockwork. Yeah, let's put up a seven spot in the first inning, and I'll go to bed early. Yeah. It's fine by me. Yeah. All right. Um, last thing on the Trump front here, which I find interesting. And not, yes, I don't like it. I talked about it. We talked about it as a show, as a station last week with Pennsylvania and the new <clears throat> voter registration, uh, which you know basically uh, is an automatic sign-up moving forward. And we'll get into those details. But the reality is, yeah, I, I don't like it, but there's nothing you can really do about it. It appears to be legal. So you, once these people get signed up to vote with order, automatic voter registration, then you got to find a way to reach these people and connect with these people. But so Trump has uh, a similar target in his sights, and that's Pennsylvania's voting rules. Um, this is from ABCnews.com. Uh, Trump has never stopped attacking court decisions on mail-in ballots during the pandemic, falsely claiming it is a reason for his 2020 loss in the crucial battleground state of Pennsylvania. Now the former Republican president is seizing on a decision by Democratic Governor Josh Shapiro to bypass the legislature and start automatic voter registration. We talked about this, I believe, in the last week or so. Uh, Republicans have joined Trump in railing against Shapiro's actions, saying they are not uh, on board with this and there are not enough safeguards to prevent minors or undocumented immigrants from registering. The Shapiro administration adamantly disputes that. Uh, Trump wrote on his Truth Social Media platform, quote, in all capital letters, the Democrats are trying to steal Pennsylvania again by doing the automatic voter registration scam. In a statement, RNC Chairwoman Rona McDaniel said Shapiro is springing an unclear and unnecessary last-minute rule change on voters weeks before the November 7th election, which features a race for a state Supreme Court seat. The first-term governor, quote, cares more about getting airtime on MSNBC than making sure Pennsylvania elections are secure and transparent. Um, So Shapiro went on to say, Quote, this will help tens of thousands of Pennsylvanians make their voice heard, no matter who you choose to vote for or what your views are. Okay, I'll take that with a grain of salt. Uh, but states have been doing this for a while, and going back to 2015, we now have 24 states that do this, uh, although most are blue states, but they do include Republican-controlled Alaska, West Virginia, and Georgia. Now, this is where I, I hope we get the same results as Georgia. Georgia put this into place eight years, uh, seven years ago, and has seen an increase in registrations and no problems with non-U.S. citizens registering to vote, according to the state elections office. A survey of several states with automatic voter registration revealed similar experiences. So unless you decline to register, you are automatically given the yes box checked off. What I got to hope for, and I think what all Republicans have to hope for, is that because in in a way, and I'm just I'm being very loose here with this. Georgia is like Pennsylvania. Now I think Georgia's more red than Pennsylvania, but it's been shifting purple. Pennsylvania, I think I'm I've been in agreement with um, Zioli. I think it's now blue, but there's some people that still believe it's purple and there for the taking. But if you believe that, you obviously got to hope that this is all legit and on the up and up. And if, in fact, it is, and you know what, almost irregardless of whether or not it is, this is where Republicans have got to take data, have got to look at new registrations, and as Dawn always says, figure it out, get it together, 
You don't have to like certain rules. You don't have to like what the D does or puts into place. But once it's in place, how do you plan on capitalizing on that? And that's the thing at the end of the day that I care about most because we can sit here and whine about the system all we want. It's like mail-in mail in ballots and all that. Well, Democrats utilize it better than Republicans. Like, let's start doing the same things that the D's do so that at the end of the day, you can at least say, you know what? You did your best. You tried. We took advantage. We we tried to capitalize on this, cash in on that, and then we can sit there and gripe and moan. But if you don't put in, you know, all the work and the effort, and you're just going to gripe on Twitter about it, I don't know. I, I just, I, to me, it's like, okay, you know, you want to rant and rave and, you know, go all capital letters and, you know, tweet to your 13 followers, knock yourself out. But like, this is one of those things where you got to keep an eye on it, right? Because we know the way Democrats yeah. are. And I know, Don, you've talked about this a lot, you know, on I think last week on your show as well, when you were like, highlighting the local stuff. Well, I think that's what you, what you are putting your finger on is why when we talk about Bucks, particularly Bucks County, Montgomery County, Chester County, yeah. those suburban counties, because we know Philadelphia blue, yeah. right? Lost. We know that outside of Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, well, a lot of red, yeah. right? right. <laughs> and so... Why do these suburbs matter so much and and the school board level? Because as they go, so goes the rest of the state. And Pennsylvania is one of a handful of of states, essentially, mm-hmm. that, that decides the president. Yep. And right. And that's why we're, we're a battleground state. So yep. I, I think that because you look at this and I'm, I'm talking to people and especially Bucks County, uh, Bucks, Monco and Chester, mm-hmm. what they tell me at the tiniest tiniest little like school board or commissioner level mm-hmm. they're like oh my gosh the democrats you should see they get this, whatever backup they need mm-hmm. running for a teeny weeny little election yep. they get so much money so much help and so the the democrat party is there for them mm-hmm. for the republicans not so much I mean, i'm talking about even like they send them like note cards with their name on it placards any kind of advertising i mean they just the red carpet is rolled out for them and the level of organization with the Republicans. They're doing everything by hand by themselves Mm -hmm. to just run for something. And you might say, well, it's a tiny little local election. Why would you get that? The Democrats recognize that if they can get in there in that grassroots level. Yes, indeed. And and then they talk to the inquirer. Ooh, that mom running for school board and bucks. She's oh, she's evil. Mm-hmm. She's MAGA. Yep. You know what I mean? Right. Then the people that gets people all riled up and they're going to vote D. Yep. I agree. It's a battle you got to fight at the local <laughs> grassroots, most basic entry level, because that's where it starts and that's where it matters. Amen. 855-839-1210. The Taylor Swift effect in full effect as we kick off hour number two. By the way, I'm sick of Taylor Swift. Good God almighty. Stop. Hopefully this is it. <laughs> hour two of Kale and Company. Coming up next, Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. Start your day with Kale and Company. Weekday mornings, 6 till 10 on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD and the free Odyssey app.